Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Guidepost in Motion, a podcast highlighting risk, compliance, and security professionals with insights meant to keep you, your business, and operations moving forward. Today's podcast features another episode from our series, Privacy Matters. My name is Cody Schultz, Director of Investigations and Private Client Protection with Guidepost Solutions, and joining me for this series is Seth Roden, Director of Program Management for Halo Privacy. Seth, last time we talked about the impact of social media on privacy and then practical steps to help improve our security posture, things such as changing the privacy settings on your social media accounts, being cautious of what you share online, especially if you're going to be gone on vacation, uh, not sharing your geo-coordinates with anybody who asks, and password managers. But I wanted to get into some specific scenarios here. Uh, The first one was, what if I'm a small business owner? I run a business outside of my home, and social media is just part of my brand. It's how I bring in new clients, how I keep my business running. How do I balance use of social media and having my information out there being easily discoverable, but also protecting my privacy at the same time? Yeah, no, that's a that's a great question, Cody. Uh, and it's you know this is a I think a, a really important topic because there are people like you said, small business owners, for instance, that have a a legitimate need to kind of get their brand out there online because it's it's what drives customers to their to their store or to their you know website, and they they need to do that to to actually run their business. Um, so there's, you know, balancing that need to actually have some information publicly available uh, about you, but then also making sure that you're not sharing so much information that, you know, you're putting yourself or your family or your, your business at risk. Um, so just, you know, a couple things to, to start. One is if you're able to have a, a sort of public-facing uh, business account that is separate from your your personal account. I think that's that's a really good thing to do. That way, you can have this this public facing, whether it's Facebook account, Instagram account, what whatever it is, that you're able to share business information, but doesn't necessarily contain uh, a lot of personal information. Like it might have a, a business email address or a business phone number, uh, or the you know the the website to your business. Uh, that's available to the public. So therefore, you know, the public knows how to get in touch with you and knows how to actually visit your site to, to make purchases. Uh, but it, it is separate from your, your personal social media account that actually has, you know, personal photos, you know, your other personal information that you just want to share with kind of your, your friends and family network. So I think having distinct accounts, one that is more public facing for your business uh, and then a, a second, uh, you know, private account that's just for for personal use. I think that's one of the the best ways to to kind of have both both sides of the of the equation where you have you're able to share information publicly to help your business, but you're still keeping your private information uh, private. I think uh, another thing that is that is potentially uh, you know a, a really helpful way to to address this is. And I won't get into to a lot of detail because I think we might have a, 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 another conversation about this down the line. But, you know, there are and we, we've actually dealt with this with, with some of our clients where we have clients that for, for one reason or another, like there might be a small business owner that need to have some information publicly available, but they want to make sure that other information is not, uh, you know, is not publicly accessible. 
there are things that we can do in terms of, of opt-outs. Uh, and by that, what I mean is you can actually go into uh, the sites of these of these data brokers that we've talked about on previous episodes, and you can actually request that they remove your information. And so you might want, you know, you might want your, your company name, you might want, you know, the company email address and the company website listed uh, to, to be publicly available, but maybe you don't want your home address, your home telephone number, um, things like that, that are, that are certainly more, more personal and maybe don't, um, you know, don't have anything to do with, with the business that you're running. Uh, so don't, don't want to get into a ton of detail now about that, that sort of opt out process, but there are, there are mechanisms available to people, uh, that, that they can, that they can kind of protect themselves in that way. Okay. Well, let's kind of flip it on the other direction now. I mean, we've had clients just by nature of the type of business they do, they have to have their information out there. It's a requirement of the federal government that their information is published. And there doesn't seem, of course, to be a way around that, but it does bring up the issue of, well, what if I'm a public figure? Uh, are they limited in what they can do in regards to their privacy just by the nature of the positions that they hold? Yep. Uh, so, I mean, yes and no. Uh and I think in, in, a, in a meaningful way, though, yes, no, in the sense that, you know, your your name and then some information about you, if the government requires that you turn it over, uh, whether it's because, you know, of the type of business you do or the fact that you do business with the government at all, the government may require you to, to turn over certain information. And, you know, that information is stored in certain government databases. And it, it's very difficult to remove that information. Uh, however, uh, there's sort of a, a difference between what are called tier one uh, database databases and tier two databases. Tier one are kind of those verified government or sort of government adjacent databases where the information is verified. Uh, tier two databases, that's what we're mostly concerned with those are kind of all those data brokers that are buying and selling people's information uh, over and over. And that the information in those databases, it's not necessarily verified. So it might not even be true information, but that's the information that is uh, publicly accessible, sometimes for free. Uh, like if you, you know, ever Google someone, you can often, you, you know, you'd be surprised how much information you can find on someone just Googling them. A simple Google search can, can turn up a lot of information or just with a, a paying a small fee to, to certain providers, you can get a lot of information about folks. Um, it might not be 100% true, but generally there's enough accurate information in those records to, to paint a pretty good picture about someone. Uh, and so in, in the instance where, you know, you might be legally required to turn over certain information to the government about you, there's still a lot that can be done uh, to counteract those tier two databases and having that information removed from from those locations. Yeah, so we've talked about, you know, some general steps and then some specific scenarios, but, you know, what's the next level? Where do you go from here in terms of privacy? I mean, we've seen recently in Los Angeles, uh, lots of people being targeted just because they're wealthy, you know, home robberies, carjackings are becoming really frequently. 
so the concern isn't just with my data being sold to data brokers, but there's real right. physical threats that are now happening. Um, and yep. frankly, you don't have to be wealthy just to have a problem. I mean, we've seen you know victims of domestic violence; those are getting stalked or harassed online. Like you say, people can just Google and find your home address, your phone number, maybe where your kids go to school. Uh, doxing yep. we've heard about for years. This continues to be a problem. Uh, what can we do about that? Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's scary when you think about um, you know kind of all the ways that that people might be vulnerable, uh, and and maybe they, they don't even realize it. But you know, there certainly are there certainly are th- things that, that can be done and steps that can be taken to to protect whether it's people who are victims of, of domestic violence or abuse or have been stalked. Uh, or, you know, folks that because of their their standing or their profile are, are, are victims just because of that. Something that, that I think is, is sort of always a good place to start is a vulnerability assessment. Uh, that's something that can be that can be completed for an individual or for a company. And it, it kind of lets them know from a digital vulnerability standpoint what's out there on me what can someone who's motivated uh no that doesn't have to you know work for the government but what can a motivated person uh find on me or find on my company uh and this is an exercise we've done with with a lot of our clients and and they're oftentimes very surprised how much information is actually out there on them you know they might think oh there's probably a couple photos and maybe an old address and what kind of car I drive or, or something like that. But it's just pages and pages of information that uh, our analysts are able to pull together. Uh, and, and again, so, some of it is based on tools that you have to pay for for information, but a lot of it is, is just information that maybe it's not verified, but is still nonetheless publicly accessible uh, if, you're, if you kind of know where to look for it. Uh, and you're willing to put in a little bit of, of time and effort to find it. Uh, but, you know, uh, detailed address history, phone numbers, family members, um, cars, where the kids go to school, political contributions, uh, photos of both the inside and outside of their homes. You know, all this information that I think a lot of people are, are really surprised at that is, you know, is actually out there and available to, to be found. Um and I, I and the reason why we we like to start with that exercise is because without doing that we, we don't really have a good idea and therefore you know the, our clients don't really have a good idea of what their vulnerabilities actually are and once we kind of have that that baseline then we can actually uh take meaningful steps to to um lessen their 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 level of of uh of threat you know whether that's putting them in uh, sort of that that opt out process that I referred to earlier uh, that we can get into uh, in a bit more detail a little later on to actually get some of that information removed from those sites. Uh, whether it's uh, having people in you know monitoring type um, systems where you know whether it's based on geolocation or just based on mention, you know if someone is a high profile individual. Uh, monitoring can be super helpful for, you know, social monitoring on social media or if they're, you know, at a conference having 
uh, geo-based monitoring so there you know we can be aware of anything going on of interest in the vicinity of you know the hotel or or the conference center uh, and so there are, there are lots of different options that people have uh, that that they can take um, to kind of um, def- uh, protect themselves uh, because as as you said digital vulnerabilities and sort of the the concerns that people have around data and data privacy uh, it can very easily go from a a digital vulnerability to an actual threat of physical violence uh, and certainly that's something that we we want to work with our clients on to make sure that that you know that doesn't come to pass uh, and it's it's something that is um, it's not a one size fit all uh, type of of uh, equation you know different different things might work better for for some situations than others uh, but that's kind of where we we want to work with our clients on a case by case basis to to figure out. Yeah, well, thanks, Seth. I mean, there's certainly a lot to digest here. And like you said, I'd like to get it into a bit more detail on the opt-out program and how that works uh, on another episode. But I think another thing that might be interesting is, you know, international considerations as borders Mm -hmm. have opened back up, you know, what privacy concerns or steps are needed if you're traveling internationally for business or even just for pleasure? Is it safe to bring your personal electronic devices to China with you, for example? Um, Well, if anyone does want to learn more about what to do if you are traveling abroad or maybe you just got back from a business trip from China and go, well, what happened? Uh, You know, turn into our next episode. So thanks again, Seth. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Likewise. Thanks, Cody. Great to be here. Thank you to our listening audience for tuning in today for another episode of Guidepost in Motion. We hope you're enjoying our series, Privacy Matters. For more information on reviewing, assessing and improving your privacy profile, please visit our website at guidepostsolutions.com.